Barry Bostwick has had a varied career, starring in dramas, comedy, and the notorious classic, The Rocky Horror Picture Show. We talk about that and his project at the time, Skirt Chasers. That in a moment. Here's a vintage talk with Barry Bostwick. Hi, I'm Tony Tolado, and on this edition, I have my full conversation with Barry Bostwick on his new web series, Skirt Chasers, where he plays the father of Elizabeth Keener. We also talk very candidly about the Rocky Horror Picture Show and the impact of Shadowcasts. We're going to talk about, right off the bat, something you've probably never done before, a web series, uh, Skirt Chasers. And uh, from what I've seen of it, it looks pretty funny. Yeah. What have, what have you actually seen of it? I've seen the whole thing mm-hmm. as a as a half-hour sort of pilot put together, but I haven't seen it split up into episodes. Oh, okay. I've just seen the trailer, and, and, you're, and you're funny in it, and it's... Uh, it, it's. I just like the uh, the role reversal of the dad kind of being the one that <laughs> that kind of goes to crash with the daughter, uh, which is uh, which is funny, and the reasons for that are pretty funny too. Yeah, Mitch, I like that. I mean, I like that it's a real sort of relationship piece, not, not just a, a, a lesbian father, uh, you know, relationship, which we haven't seen a lot of anyway. But I mean, that's yeah. what makes it different, I guess. It's really more about them coming to terms with their relationship and how do they go on from there. Um, I don't know. I, I like the whole concept of it. I thought it was well, uh, well filmed and shot and, mm-hmm. and, and had a, and had a professionalness to it that a lot of this sort of web series, web episodes don't, don't have. It, it had a, um, pedigree, I guess, of people involved. But oh, yeah. You know, um, uh, people who, uh, you know, wouldn't, wouldn't drop below a certain level, even if they didn't have any money. Yeah. Which is what happens with these web series is that nobody has any money. You yeah. know, it's, I have another web series on called Inside the Extras Studio. Yes. And it's, and it's our second, it's our second season. We're about halfway through our second season. You know, it's, it's a chore to try to get eyes on your, on your work uh, yeah. when you're, there's so much stuff on the internet. Mm-hmm. There's too many people trying to, to, to make a splash. And, um, we booked on our second season for this. It's uh, ostensibly, I, I interview so-called, uh, famous or infamous extras. <laughs> and I'm running school. I'm running a school to teach people how to be a good extra because I have such respect for them. Um, cool. And yeah, it, it's actually, it's very clever. And this year we had to stack it with a lot of YouTubers, people who had, you know, a half a million or a million followers. And we had them play parts in it to raise our, our visibility. Yeah. And consequently it's worked out mm, good, but not as good as I, I had anticipated. because of the, because there's no rules. And just because this person has 500,000 followers doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to tune in and see this person in some other genre or some other show or whatever. It, uh, we've tripled and quadrupled our viewership from the first season. Oh, that's nice. It's just not what I expected given, given the amount of eyes that should have been on it based on our um, 
stunt casting, you know. Yeah, so, yeah. This kind of this kind of show, like the Skirt Chasers, which is a subscription-based show, mm. it you, you know you have to get a, you have to subscribe to it, uh, subscribe to Tello Films. Uh, and then you can see the show, but you can't get to it unless you subscribe to it and they make, you know, $3 or something off of it. Cause that's how they bankroll all of their product. That is all, um, you know, uh, LGBT, uh, uh oriented. <laughs> Basically, you know, a lesbian, lesbian product, a lesbian content. I'm excited about it. I think that it has, I think that it has uh, some real potential. Yeah. Now, now it's just a matter of getting people to see it. I mean, Elizabeth Keener, she's just an amazing actress, and and then you have really a woman who was in front of the camera, and now has stepped behind the camera and has really carved out a nice directing career. And Amanda Beers too. So those yeah. are those are good people to be working with and to really <laughs> raise the and level. Stan Zimmerman, Stan Zimmerman, who wrote it, he and his partner. You know, have a great, have a great history. Uh, you know, are very professional and funny and they have a good take on this, uh, this subject matter. I met Amanda at a convention, at a, uh, you know, one of those signing conventions. Sure. Like Comic Con. Mm-hmm. And she, and she brought the product, she brought the, the project to me based on, uh, you know, our relationship at this convention and consequently talking afterwards and I had never worked well I had worked with Meredith right on the, yeah. She, yeah she was on Spin City for a couple of episodes that's right that's right I remember I think I remember being in bed with her um, <laughs> I, I forget who she played or what the result of our relationship was but apparently I didn't marry her in the piece but I think I did bed her mm-hmm. and she's great and she's you know just so down to earth uh, easy and lovely to be with. Uh, unfortunately, in the pilot, we never really had any scenes together because she plays the the wrong the wife that I'm divorced from originally, yeah. and and the mother of um, the Keener character. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of opening potential openings for storylines. Uh, just based on the general premise. Yeah, and it's funny, too. I mean, I've seen some of the scenes I saw, and this is a, a great line that one of the characters uh, came up, I can't date somebody who has chronic daddy uh, damage. <laughs> CTD. Yeah, that's right. That was, that's funny. And then uh, the scene when you're in the hospital and you're, <laughs> and you're talking, uh, you know, apparently to a woman, and you're talking about uh, like something like you have balls or something like that, and you're saying metaphorically speaking, of course. So that. Oh well, yeah, yeah. I'm talking to my daughter. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So that's funny. Stuff like that yeah. is funny. So and and flipping the gender is even funnier. So uh, why not? You know, it's it's great. We can we can laugh at a serious issue. Why not? I think it's a good thing to do these days. Yeah, I think so. And it's it's time. I think it's just time for all of that. Yeah, I've been around for a long time. I've been around for a while, uh, you know, exploring uh, these subjects, but not quite in this way, which is what attracted me to it. Yeah, you know, and then maybe there'll be the the sort of honorary lesbian or homosexual character in in certain scripts and storylines, but this one having Keener's character be upfront. And my character being 
butting heads with her. It's just unique. I hope it goes somewhere. If it's not, if it doesn't, I I had a wonderful couple of days shooting it with Amanda and uh, Elizabeth and you know Meredith and mm. the whole crew. It's, they they have they have high hopes for it. I think they're trying to sell it as a pilot. Sure, but at least they'll they'll run off. The, the half hour that we did in five episodes or four episodes with Tello Films. Yeah, that sounds sounds fun. It really it looks like uh, it it looks like it's really something interesting. And God knows on on conventional television we need a little bit more of that. The sitcoms all kind of seem recycled. They're no Spin City, I'll tell you that. <laughs> That's for oh, sure. Well, you know, definitely. That was a unique, that was a unique show based on. Yeah. Michael's uh, brilliance uh, in terms of his casting ideas. I mean, he put together a crew of actors and characters that were uh, very, very strong. Yeah. And um, you could, it didn't happen very often in a situation comedy where you could throw the A story to any one of the regulars and they could carry the full half hour. Sure. And, and so it, he was smart <clears throat> in, in, Stacking it that way, it's um, the the pressure could go off of his shoulders, you know, uh, as often as possible, or as needed because of his illness. Yeah, uh, and the show could still survive and uh, mm -hmm. you know be funny and and worthwhile. Yeah, it's it was it was a fun show, it definitely was. I got to ask you about Rocky Harbor. We're not going to talk about the movie per se, but when you all had a reunion, what was that like? It was a reunion uh, in New York, well, uh, end of last year, October or something. It was um, it was a lot of the original people who sort of started the whole cult fandom of it uh, in New York City, and it was shocking to uh, to see some of the original people who were in Shadowcast um, who were my age or older, <laughs> and, <laughs> you know, and and still had this undying love uh, for the movie and its themes and, you know, what it had to say socially. Yeah. And, and, and how it affected their lives. And mm -hmm. that's why I'm so proud of the film is because it's changed an awful lot of people's lives. Self-perception, self-acceptance, tolerance towards others. Yep. And it was a big love fest. You know, it was cast from all over the country and the world coming together to celebrate this um, phenomenon that they created, basically. It, you know, they were celebrating themselves. That we were cool. tangential to the whole uh, affair. You know, the fun parts were the, the fans and how they reacted to this one-off movie that was just a huge, big party, you know, uh, of, of a film. I'm astonished by the legs that the film has. Oh, man. Yeah. Uh, I'm, not, I, I'm not surprised by why kids want to go see it because of the whole mm -hmm. loss of innocence themes, the passage into adulthood or into teenagehood. But I'm on a, I'm on a sort of soapbox <laughs> about, about cleaning up what goes on in the movie theaters uh, with a lot of these shadow casts and a lot of the audiences, because I think it's, I think it's keeping people away from enjoying the film when you're in a, 
theater and every other word is or this or you know it i think that the what was at one time creative and fun and sarcastic yet just maybe politically incorrect or or a real party atmosphere has turned into somewhat of a a place that i wouldn't send my 12 year old or 13 year old when i would have 15 20 years ago it was when it was when it was a bit more tame and i i did a I did a convention last weekend in Boston, and I did a question and answer panel, and I brought this subject up, and um, I, I can't tell you the number of people in the audience who were diehard Rocky Horror fans, <laughs> but but uh, felt the same way that it's it's restrictive, and it and it's it stopped being as much fun as it should be. Uh. Because of the egos and uh, of a lot of the people who are running these casts, and they feel the need to to go way out on a limb uh, in terms of language, behavior, it stops being a a connected experience between the film and the cast, and just becomes all about the cast, and you 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 wouldn't even need the film in the background. And I think that's a shame. But and maybe this this Fox reboot that's being done, yeah, uh, maybe that will bring some uh, some fresh energy to it, and people will reexamine the themes and the and the uh, you know it, it, its purpose. I think uh, other than just to entertain, but what has been its purpose for the last forty one years? Mm. Or it could be a piece of shit for all I know. <laughs> I don't know anybody. But, you know, it could be just a, a rehashing uh, of it and uh, with uh, lesser known and maybe lesser talented uh, people playing the parts. I don't know anything about it. I know Tim got involved as the narrator, and I think that will be a nice connection because I think the fan base will at least go and taste it and, and because Tim's there, because Tim is... Sure. You know, and uh, but where it goes from there, I don't know. I mean, I would, I would hope that maybe this whole experience morphs into some other kind of entertainment. I, I don't know. I'm sort of thinking on my feet here. I don't know what it would be, but I think it's got to be reinvented again for an audience to to get them out of their living room and go to a theater and and and, and experience the joy and the the excitement that was around 30, 20 years ago when you went to the theater to do it, you know, to, yeah. to you know, I think it's lost some of its fun. And if I have any influence at all, I could bring some of the fun back. There's more sci-fi talk, so stay tuned. Back on Sci-Fi Talk, I'm Tony Tolato. Hey, here, here. I'm all for that. You know, the apocalypse is really big these days, and you did a movie called, see here, it is Danny and Divine Meet the Apocalypse. <laughs> yes, it's called Diani and Divine. Dian- yes. Yeah, and it's um, um, actually quite clever, I think. I haven't seen the final announce, final piece. I did a show called Frigade Diani, uh, a movie he wrote called The Stelling, mm. which was a very fun comedy horror, not really a horror, but a comedy thriller kind of thing. And he played the lead and he wrote it. And I went in and played a a guy, a priest who comes in to rid this house that he's trying to sell of of ghosts and and demons. And uh, it's very funny. And and consequently, 
Gabe and I did um, another series called Research on on the web, done by the same people who did uh, Inside the Extra Studio. Oh, so Gabe and I have become friends, and I think he's a talented guy, young guy. Uh, in fact, I think I'm going to do another web series for him soon where I play Superman and he plays, um, <laughs> who was the guy, who was the guy who worked at the, at the Daily Planet? Yeah, you know, the, the Daily Planet, the young guy. Oh, Jimmy Olsen. Uh, yeah, it's a story of Jimmy Olsen <laughs> and Superman. Oh, Superman cool. is now old and the relationship between Jimmy Olsen and Superman is, is a little uh, questioning about why is Superman so protective of Jimmy Olsen all of these years. Yeah. And is there any sort of Batman Robin kind of feel to it? <laughs> um, again, uh, Gabe Dion is a clever writer and, um, so we'll probably do four or five episodes of that soon. There's more sci-fi talk. So please stick around. Let's get back to sci-fi talk. Cool. And maybe and maybe get another uh, another season of uh, Inside the Extra Studio. You know, if you get, look at that, it's it's really clever. Oh yeah, we'll uh, we'll promote it. We'll promote it on the on, on my site. I'll definitely promote it, and I can even embed some episodes on there too. Oh great, yeah, I got episodes all over. Uh, it's a mildly fearsome uh, films. Uh, these guys, I've done four or five things for them, and. Um, Adam Hall is his name, the creator, director, uh, writer. He's um, a graduate of USC Film School and, uh, you know, he's just one of those young hotshot guys who've been around and uh, trying to scratch their way to the top. Like, yeah. so many, that's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to, I'm trying to encourage people that I think are talented, uh, to, um, you know, get into the business and, Find the unique ways to, to uh, break down that wall. Uh, it's um, I, I'm glad I'm not starting out these days. Yeah, I think it'd be God. It's so hard. It's even harder now. I think even though there's yeah. all these outlets, it's still it's even more difficult. It's amazing. You know, it doesn't. You think it would alleviate some of the tension and pressure to get in, but it doesn't. It just it's still very very hard. Like, uh, yeah, it's, and you almost have to kill somebody to get noticed. Yeah, that would help. <laughs> you know, and it's um, yeah. I don't know, I don't, I don't even Twitter or or I have a Facebook public page and I have a Facebook private page, and that's the most I want to do uh, in terms of social networking, and unless I get on another real series, sure, and then, and then of course, in the contract it will say that I have to do. So many Twitters per week, you know, and because yeah. uh, that's what happens with those things. I did a couple of episodes of Scandal. Yes. And talking, talking with the, the the actors in that, and they say, well, you know, we have to tweet. We have to get together uh, on the evenings that it's it's on the air yep. so that we can live chat yep. with the fans. I'm going, oh, my God, whatever happened to just doing the job and going home and having a tequila? You know? <laughs> it's like it's become this, this it's way too multifaceted, I think. It's usually in the past, I mean, people would be attracted to a project to see it yeah. simply because it's good, and, and uh, yep. but not necessarily because they had a personal relationship with the actors in it. I mean, there's, I think we're getting too close to the audience and 
you know, I remember those years that De Niro wouldn't do wouldn't do talk shows. You know? Yeah, he, that's you know, right. Don't, I, I'm not. I don't want people to know who I am. Mm, I, I sure. Know, I, I want to want them to believe that I'm the character that I've been, you know, asked to play. And yeah. I, yeah, I think we have to get back to that in some way. Yeah. Just a little bit of trivia. You did the on the American version of Fantastic Planet. You did one of the voices on there, and that's like one of my favorite all-time sci-fi films. It's animated. Is it really? And you were you were you did voice on you did the English. That was version. the little boy. Yeah. I, yeah. You know what? I just bought four or five copies of the DVD. Okay. And I have them. And I take them to some of these conventions that I go to, and nobody knows that show. Oh, what a shame. I know. And I just think it's so, it was so ahead of its time. Yeah. You know, and I, was, I was fortunate enough to, to be in it and uh, to have some small contribution to it. Uh, I'm going to hold on to those DVDs. Somebody like yourself, well, I'll meet someday and they'll go, do you have a DVD of Savage Planet or whatever it's called now? Fantastic Planet, yeah. Fantastic Planet, yeah, and I think it's actually on the DVD. I think it's called the Savage Planet. Oh, really? Oh God! Yeah. Oh well. But, but the one that I really can't wait to come out is a thing called Movie Movie with George C. Scott. Oh I yeah, yeah, sure. That's finally coming out on DVD in about oh, a month. Good, or two. good. Oh, that's a good thing about DVD. It does help preserve some of the older films that we should be watching. You know. Yeah. You know, and I yeah. like that. Everything's so different. I mean, you used to have to tune into a show at a certain time. And otherwise, have to wait for reruns. And now with on demand, I mean, it's it's just there's no reruns anymore because everybody has access to on demand. There's there's original programming all the time now. It's it's kind of strange, different. Funny, I um I, I turn on TV now, and there's just there's so many choices. Yeah, I just go I go right to CNN. <laughs> there you go. There you you know, like it's like I I I I've got no favorite shows that I look. Everything is it's so weirdly uh, weirdly programmed that I don't know. This I just shut down because there's too much product. Yeah, there is a lot. There is a lot to keep track of. That's for sure. And if we didn't have a DVR, we'd be lost. I mean, you know, it's the only way we can. Stay, you know, stay in touch with our shows that we want to see because it's impossible to uh, to see them all when they actually air. You know, <laughs> with with the way life is, with you know your yeah. schedules and everything. So maybe that's I've never learned how to use the DVR. Maybe that's my problem. It's I great, guess, and I, and you just go, you know, record every episode of uh, Two Broke Girls, right? Yeah, Something like that. Yeah, not that I would ever record every episode of Two Broke Girls. But <laughs> Uh, and so then you just come home at midnight and, and you can go and see the, okay, I, I gotta do that. I got the DVR. I pay yeah. for it when I use. Yeah, you can watch a show that airs at night in the afternoon someday when you have nothing to do and it's raining or whatever. So, yeah. uh, you know, you can do that. And that's what's beauty, the beauty of it. I mean, I think it's better than having to wait for reruns or have to be home at a certain night like it used to be. With only three networks too, <laughs> so I mean, uh, and then you had the independent channels, but uh, yeah, it, it's just a, uh, it's just a whole other world now. You can even watch things on your phone. What are some of your favorite shows? Well, I have a lot actually. Uh, boy, I guess, um, I guess Sin City was was a was I thought it was a really cool comedy, and I'm not big on sitcoms. I'm very picky about them, 
and I like yeah. that one. That was, and I'm not just saying it because I'm talking to you. But I like that one, and um, and Michael, I, I you know, he was just he's a, he's a ten. Um, but everybody on that show, it, you were you mentioned it. Everybody was so well cast. I, I guess yeah. the original Star Trek for me, because of what I do, was a big influence. Twilight what Zone. About, what about right now? You know, right now. What what have you what have you programmed into your DVR? I love watching The Walking Dead. That's a very well written show. It's dark, mm-hmm. but it is very well written. And you know, my wife likes likes the crime shows, uh, and, and and it's almost bordering on horror. Criminal Minds is the way they're you know with the serial killers. It's almost too dark, I think, uh, to yeah. watch. You know, it really yeah. is. And uh, I think that's the biggest difference I've noticed how dark television is. But, you know, there's probably about four or five shows that we watch religiously. Those are those are two of them. Um, and then I watch, because uh, it's great to have all these superhero shows on now, like Supergirl and Arrow and those, because I grew up reading comic books, so it's good to see. And they're usually done pretty well. So I don't, I like to see those between all of that. Uh, and then, you know, their specials. I, I still like a good documentary and, uh, I saw a little bit of roots and that was really well, really well done. Very mm-hmm. well done. So I, I'm glad they did that. And, you know, anything that, anything that really catches, uh, my interest. Um, but yeah, news, I mean, news and sports are probably the only thing we watch live because a sporting event, you, if you know the score, it's, you know, you know, it, it loses it. So, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I mean, that's, that's the way the world is. But yeah, I mean, I have a, we have a fairly long list of things, but those are some of the ones that we watch, that we enjoy watching. All right. You've convinced me. <laughs> well, sir, it has been an absolute pleasure to talk to you because, uh, I mean, it's, I've just enjoyed watching your work throughout the years and, uh, really the, the, the different things you've done. Uh, I mean, you, you really can't pigeonhole you in any one thing because of all the, the variety you have. And, uh, and that's so important, you know, for an actor to be able to do all these different things. And it's, it's also fun to appreciate that too. Thank you. I've just, I'm, I'm just finishing up a film with John Schneider. Nice. Called, called, uh, One Month Out. It's, uh, you know, an actor named Vernon Wells. I sure do. Yes. Good actor. Vernon's in it with me. Ruth Buzzy is in oh, it with me. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, it's, it's a, it's a thriller kind of a mystery. Uh, I play a character who you don't know whether he does or doesn't have Alzheimer's disease. John Schneider is a, a wonderful writer and yeah. he's done some films or four or five films that none of them have been released yet. And, uh, he directs him and he has his own studio down in, uh, out in Holden, Louisiana. Nice. And, and he, um, so he's, he's found another whole life outside of, of, um, you know, television, uh, icon, uh, isms. Yeah. And uh, he's a smart guy. And when it, maybe when this film uh, is ready to be released, we can chat again. No, I'd like that. I'd like that very much. So re- retirement but, is not in the cards anytime soon. No, God, no. For <laughs> me or for anybody. I've got two kids in college. I, even <laughs> if I wanted to retire, I couldn't. <laughs> oh, that's great, though. And, you know, it'll keep you forever young, that's for sure. It is. It is. <laughs> you know, I'm doing pretty damn well for a guy in his mid-80s, you know. Yeah, you're, you're doing great. Are you kidding? <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not in my mid-80s. No, no, I know. You're... Sometimes I feel like it, but most of the time I feel like 
much younger than I am. Oh, that's I good. Get the energy to get up and go to, to a yoga class. Oh, that's good. That's important. Yeah, yeah you got to stay active. I, I know. I'm, I'm, I'm approaching. I'm in the in sort of like the beginning of those years, and I kind of know what it's like. So, uh, yeah, you you want to do one thing, and your body says no, no, you can't. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, great to talk to you again, and great to talk uh, to you, and we'll we'll keep in touch. I hope. Yes, definitely, definitely, no doubt about it. And we'll definitely promote uh, in the extra studio for sure. Yeah. Inside the extra studio. There you go. And, and whatever this other thing we were supposedly be talking about. Oh, uh, the skirt chasers, of course. Skirt chasers, right. <laughs> you take care, sir. Great to talk. You too. Thank you. All right. Look for skirt chasers on telofilms.com. That's T-E-L-L-O films.com. Some interesting content there, including Dagger Kiss. This is Tony Tolado, and thanks so much for listening.